I'm Chad Main, the founder of Legal Services Provider Recipient, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal innovation and legal technology. Today's episode, I talk with LegalMation co-founder Thomas Suh. LegalMation is software that provides artificial intelligence tools to help attorneys and legal teams automate routine litigation tasks like drafting pleadings and creating discovery responses. Thomas talks about how he and his co-founder came up with the idea for LegalMation while working at their litigation boutique and how they use tech and automation there to level the playing field for them against bigger law firms. Thomas also explains how corporate legal departments and law firms are using LegalMation to save time, save money, give their attorneys a head start, and help provide consistent quality legal work. Thomas is a lawyer and received a degree from the Hastings School of Law at the University of California. However, when he graduated law school, the dot-com boom was in full swing, and Thomas went to Silicon Valley to launch a startup. After a stint at Deloitte, he ended up at the LA litigation boutique LTL Attorneys. To compete with the big guys, Thomas and his LTL colleagues knew that leveraging technology was the answer, and it was at LTL that the seeds of legalmation were sown. The prior firm that was at, it was uh, a firm uh, that was a spin-off of a large firm. Friends of mine had started it, and uh, when 2008, 2009 came about, I thought, you know, I gotta, I gotta do something to support the family. So I went back to law and. Um, really helped manage the business side of things at the law firm. We did well. Uh, it was when I joined, it was about six lawyers, uh, five lawyers. I was number six, I think. And then we uh, grew it over the span of maybe seven, six, seven, eight years. We grew it to about 40 lawyers. And then uh, we spun legomation out of that law firm when I sat around and I realized this is uh, a lot of stuff that we do is really scuff work. It's really boring, lame stuff. And uh, lawyers should not be doing this work. So LegalMation, we'll get to the nitty gritty of it, the features in just a second, but what's the elevator pitch? If someone runs into you in the street, how do you describe LegalMation? We are liberating lawyers. That's it. So at, at the core, what we're doing is we're using technology to handle a vast amount of the work that lawyers do that they should not be doing, uh, where they're wasting their time doing things that machines can do. And hence, we're liberating them to do higher value work and move up the chain. Uh, to provide better uh, service and value to their clients. And you said LegalMation was kind of born out of some stuff you were doing at your old law firm, LTL. What was it specifically that motivated you and your co-founder, James, to start the company? Yeah, so um, the law firm was doing great. Uh, we were starting to get pretty high high profile cases. For instance, we were, we're the firm that handled the uh, Snapchat co-founder dispute. Uh, that was well covered in the media. We handled uh, several other very large matters. But it was always a challenge to pitch for the really, really big cases, like the billion-dollar cases. As you can imagine, those cases typically go to the scadens of the world or the Quinn Emanuels or you know, some of the big uh, firms, mainly because um, large cases require uh, a lot of resources. And uh, as a small firm, we couldn't put half of the lawyers on one case. Otherwise, all our other cases would be neglected. And so technology was the great equalizer. From the early get-go, even before e-discovery was what it is today, we actually used to scan all our documents ourselves, house the client data within our own servers, our own computers in the office. And um, you know, because we're pretty technically savvy, we were able to create these efficiencies where other law firms uh, were not able to do at that time. And so uh, slowly we developed a reputation for being pretty tech savvy that we used the latest tools and, and, uh, and technology out there. And uh, we proved it by 
handling large cases, going to trial on several cases with uh, a fraction of the number of lawyers that normally you would expect for certain size cases. What was the kind of stuff you were doing? What tools were you using to, to cut down on the number of resources you needed? Oh, yeah, I mean, basic things like uh, project management tools. You know, lawyers typically don't think about project management tools or software as, uh, as a tool that they use, that they should use to manage their cases, right? I mean, there are case management tools and all these things now, but most lawyers don't use that. Back 10 years ago, when we were starting to use those tools, uh, no one was really using any, any of those types of tools. They were still shuffling paper and, and binders and asking the paralegals to pull this document, that document, that sort of thing. Well, if you just take a case management tool and you really use it on a regular basis, you prevent uh, duplicate work. You know, if you are the partner and you look at something, you ask an associate to review, make edits and send it back to you. You can do it all using these uh, tools without having to get a, a set printed out and, and, uh, and uh, going over it and send it back to them for edits. You know, basic things that lawyers were doing, we were just making it just slightly better and faster. And so you don't duplicate the work. And so using some of these tools and trying to create these efficiencies, what was the tipping point? Your light bulb moment said, hey, we're going we're gonna to create this app, LegalMation. My, my co-founder may actually have a different uh, experience, but for me, my light bulb moment was, uh, and, I, and I share this story uh, every chance I get, I'm walking down the hall. Uh, this was one late evening, I think 10 or 11 o'clock during the week, and one of my associates was still in the office and cranking away. And of course, I walked in and said, what are you working on? And he said, well, I got, I got these uh, discovery requests that are all due tomorrow. And I said, tomorrow? This is like 11 o'clock now. Why are you doing this at the last minute? My initial reaction was, you're, 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 you're just procrastinating and this is terrible. What he said to me was very insightful, which was, I know this stuff is important, but I hate doing this stuff. And so, yes, I had time, but I procrastinated because I hate doing it. So he's trying to finish this up to serve it on the other side tomorrow, the next day. And so I thought to myself, you know, this kind of stuff where he was doing a lot of cutting and pasting, kind of looking over documents, and uh, there's a lot of things that I think a machine could probably do because at the end of the day, software and technology is great at, uh, at uh, deciphering patterns. And if you have sufficient training data, we knew that technology tool could probably replicate what our associates were doing. That was my light bulb moment. James's experience was a little different, but it's sort of uh, our worlds kind of collided, our thinking collided together at the right moment. He actually had a different experience. In 2015 or 2016, around the same time, he actually attended a, a course at Harvard Law School, uh, and it was a one-week boot camp for law firm managers. And typically, you have the managing partners and practice heads of large M-Law firms attend this program, and it's intended purely for, for managers and executive committee members of firms to discuss sort of the big picture ideas, how to make the firms more efficient, what's coming next, uh, what to expect from the industry, and, and that sort of thing. And it's put together by the, by the law school and the business school, HBS, in, in conjunction with uh, some faculty from the law school as well. And during that week, one of the days was devoted solely to technology and how technology and AI was going to, in particular, uh, was going to transform legal work as we know it today and how it's going to affect every facet of our practice. And so James came back to the firm. He was very excited. He was like a kid in a candy store. He uh, sat down all the partners and uh, he said, this is something that we got to jump on because if we want to continue to grow and 
either from the wannabe, we have to be more technologically savvy. We got to start looking into this whole AI thing. What is this? This is 2017 when, you know, there weren't a whole lot of uh, tools based on AI. And so we went out there and we started looking and uh, we found a few tools that were that were out there, uh, research tools. You had a lot of doc, doc review type of platforms. Uh, what else? You had the billing platforms and a few other things. But none of that stuff we thought was something that we could use directly because we always thought that AI could do a lot more. And of course, as, as any entrepreneur will tell you, you know, you always think bigger than, than what the current reality is. So we, we were somehow convinced that AI could do a lot, a lot more. Your point's interesting too, because you, you pointed out all the different legal tech products that, that use AI, like electronic discovery, document review, contract management, that stuff. But litigation outside of actual case law apps, litigation seems pretty underserved in the, in the AI department. Exactly. Uh, and that, that was sort of uh, our mutual uh, light bulb moment. And then uh, we realized, let's take a look at where AI is today in that space. Let's take a look at our own workflow on cases. And uh, is there anything there where we could potentially automate? And of course, like idiots, you know, we thought, hey, maybe AI can write a, a motion for summary judgment and, uh, you know, an appellate brief and a motion to dismiss and all the good stuff. And of course, we're completely wrong. <laughs> But we started with those with those thoughts because then we that forced us to investigate what AI could do. To make a long story short, you know, we we brought in our own technical team in house, and uh, we reached out to a few uh, other folks that we knew, and uh, we started dabbling and uh, initially licensed version of Watson, IBM Watson, to just play around with it and see what we can get. Does the product still sit on Watson now? Partly, uh, not entirely partly, but a big portion is in fact sitting on Watson. We have several products. The first product that we launched with utilizes Watson for about maybe 40% of its uh, processing. And then the other processing piece is your own technology? Exactly, our own, uh, our own proprietary software. And we do also combine uh, bits and pieces of open source as well. Uh, we, are, we take the approach that unless we have to recreate something from scratch, we won't. It's the sort of understanding the real pain points and being the subject matter experts that makes this company what it is today. It's not necessarily some black box technology, but our own proprietary processes and software comprises probably 60% plus of our platform. And you say when you launched the app, you brought in your own, your own team, or did you bring in developers and do that stuff in-house? Is that what you put together? Yeah, this was still back at the law firm late 2016, early 2017. We brought in a friend of mine who, who happened to be available. He's a former Cisco engineer. He happened to be dabbling with uh, AI at that time, and uh, we brought him in um, to start tinkering, literally tinkering around. And uh, initially, the results were terrible. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. You know, we 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 thought that you can just feed the AI uh, a bunch of samples, and then it'll sort of figure things out. And that would be the sort of uh, the unsupervised learning process that everyone talked about or is still talking about. But for law, it doesn't work, right? You actually have to have a supervised process where you have to literally baby, you have to spoon feed the AI what you wanted to learn step by step. How did you train it? What did you use to train the, the AI? Yeah, to the extent that I can, I can uh, discuss it, uh, the, the corpus is really uh, primarily public available complaints. We started with, with public available complaints, lawsuits, uh, petitions, some states call it petitions. The input is the lawsuits and also what you want to spit out at the other end. So in this case would be sort of samples of answers, right? Types of answers to the complaint, uh, the types of uh, 
RFPs and RFAs and uh, interrogatories that you want to spit out as a result. Uh, so all those samples put together is what we use to train the system. How long did that process take before you felt comfortable enough that you had a viable product and, and launched? I think, uh, if I recall back, uh, it took at least six months to just train the system to do one single cause of action. And that was employment discrimination. Of course, that itself has several subparts, right? Sub, sub causes of action claims. But we wanted to just see if it, it would be able to understand and function based on one single cause of action as a, as a proof of concept. And uh, it took about six months to even get a decent result where you would feed it a employment discrimination case. And the answer that it would automatically spit out along with uh, suggested uh, uh, requests uh, that it would propound and interrogatories would make sense. And it took about six months to get it to a point where we wanted to show it to a few potential clients and customers. We're going to step away from my conversation with Thomas for just a couple of minutes. But when we return, Thomas talks about LegalMation's features and how one of the world's largest companies uses it to give its attorneys a head start and let them focus on important legal tasks to make the best use of their time. We need to do more with less. That is the key takeaway nowadays from almost every survey of in-house counsel. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you actually could do more for less? By combining legal expertise and technology, Percipient enables legal teams to get more work done for less. Buried in contracts and sales is frustrated with turnaround time? We can help with that. Did you just get hit with a subpoena and reviewing 100,000 documents and files will tax your resources or cost you a small fortune in billable hours? We can help there too. Our team of legal professionals leverage tech and project management principles with the right amount of human oversight to deliver precise, efficient, and cost-effective legal solutions. Whether it's legal operations and contract management support, subpoena compliance, or document review, Percipient is your partner in really doing more for less. Percipient. Legal services powered by technology. We're going to get back to my talk with Thomas in just a second, but I want to let you know if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Twitter. And also, for every episode of Technically Legal, there's a dedicated episode page at tlpodcast.com. So if you want to learn more about our guests or some of the things they talk about, you can find that information at tlpodcast.com. Okay, let's get back to our conversation with Thomas Suh and learn a little bit more about LegalMation and how its customers and clients use it to help their attorneys get the legal work done. The platform automates uh, a lot of the repetitive drafting along the spectrum of litigation tasks. So we started off with responsive pleadings, like the answer, the outgoing written discovery, like the RFP, interrogatories, RFAs, things like that. And uh, now we're moving into uh, being able to respond to discovery requests. So now if you're on the receiving end and the other side sends you RFPs, ROGs, RFAs, our system is now able to respond to those questions, to those requests, and also include objections. It will base its objections on the text of the request. And uh, because of its training, it'll be able to identify whether something is uh, perhaps vague and ambiguous or something is, uh, uh, whether there's lack of information. Uh, those objections will be something that uh, our system is able to do as a first cut, as a first draft. Obviously it's not perfect, but the user can then fine tune that uh, draft into a final product. So that's what we started off with. Um, 
And then we're moving into being able to extract documents, responsive documents to discovery requests, something that is probably the biggest pain point in litigation, which is doing the written discovery phase, just pulling the proper documents, responding specifically to the requests. That is something that is so time consuming that it, it sucks up a large part of the budget. So overall, the overall theme of our platform is to automate and to really make efficient as much of the litigation workflow of a case as possible. And you just alluded to it a second ago. It reminded me of an article that the title to the article is AI is a lawyer's technician, not a replacement. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's part of the, the biggest challenge in, uh, in law. Chad, you know this uh, when you were practicing, right? If you have, if you give 10 lawyers sitting in the same conference room, you, you give all 10 the same case, the same complaint, and you ask them to draft an answer, you're going to get 10 different versions of the answer. So there is no standard. It depends on your preferences. It depends on the wording that you want to use. I mean, let's face it. I think us lawyers, we think of ourselves as artists. So, you know, we love blank canvases. We, we paint the way we want. And, you know, my, my stuff doesn't stink as much as yours, you know, that type of thing. And so knowing that, AI will never uh, really be able to replace sort of the the artist portion of uh, the lawyer. But if you really drill down to what we do on a daily basis, for the most part, the types of documents that we draft, uh, they, they tend to be fairly routine. They differ from one lawyer to another, but those differences are more preferential. They're not consequential. I'll give you an example. One of our corporate clients that uses us very heavily you know, we did, uh, you know, we look at their outside counsel work and obviously they have to bill for the editing time um, that, they, that, they, that they do once they get the drafts from legalization. We discovered that a lot of the changes that they, that they make, uh, which they bill for, were stylistic. They literally change the header wording. Uh, they sometimes will just move some paragraphs around and they, they would change uh, sentence structures, things that are not consequential at all. It has no impact on the case whatsoever, but it's something that they feel uncomfortable signing off on because they feel that their stuff, their approach is the best. And so we knew that. And so what we do now is we work with the lawyers. And this is why our system and really AI can be a complement to lawyers and not a replacement for sure, a technician. And uh, what I mean by that is now what we do is we actually ask for samples from the users themselves. So they send us the prior samples of the stuff that they generated in the past. And we'll teach our system to mimic that. And so now today, if you have given us your samples and uh, we trained our system based on those samples, every time you run a new case through our system, the outputs that you get will be very close to what you would have written to mimic your, your type of style and word choices and things like that. So that's been tremendous. Uh, and that's been a great success. But if you don't do that and you tell a lawyer, hey, here's a system out of the box. This is going to save you a ton of time. You know, just go ahead and do it. Uh, they're going to find fault with it. And um, it's not going to be quite as good. And that's been the biggest challenge for legal, I think, when it comes to any sort of work product drafting. And what, what do you think the biggest benefit to using AI and relating to litigation? Well, I'll tell you this, um, as we're finding out now with a couple of our corporate clients, I think it's consistency. It's in many ways risk management. If you take a, take a look at, uh, for instance, uh, just the basic answer to a complaint, a 
if you're serving a corporate client who has you know hundreds or thousands of cases across the country, how they respond in one jurisdiction could, could come back and bite them on a, in another jurisdiction if they answered differently or they responded to discovery requests uh, differently. So the benefit of AI, of course, is it never forgets. Once you sort of uh, feed it with the right information, the samples, and uh, you, you properly train it, you're going to find that the consistency is always there. So that's one of the key points that in-house counsel have pointed out uh, in their excitement for using legal mediation, which was it provides them the consistency and sometimes the standardization that they always wanted. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And of course, the other benefits too is should save you time and in the long run save you money. And I, I think you pointed this out on your, on your website and in your articles. If you use AI correctly, it frees up lawyers' time to do, quote unquote, you know, the real legal work rather than the routine stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, let's, here's the big difference. If you talk to sort of the, the more junior associates at firms, uh, they grew up with technology, right? They're, these talented individuals are all about efficiency, right? And so they are much more likely to adopt technology because they don't want to waste their time, right? They value the personal time more. I think from a cultural perspective, we also notice that the new generation of lawyers want to get things done quicker, obviously more accurate, uh, more efficiently, so that they can then spend their time uh, on personal interests. And I think that's a cultural shift. So they don't care necessarily as much about the, the billable hour as some of the uh, some of the other folks might. But AI is a challenge because a lot of the things that we do, especially the stuff that we do, hits directly on the uh, entire fee structure of law firms. Our entire industry is based on an hourly building model. And that's a challenge, right? Because we are literally cutting out certain tasks that traditionally were billable time. But my answer to that has been, well, that's assuming that there is a finite amount of work and the only billable work available is this type of work that we're automating. The reality is if you tell a lawyer, hey, we can save you two hours each day so you don't have to do this stuff so you can take those two hours and work on something else. There is plenty of work. And in fact, you want to spend more time doing some of the things that you're probably neglecting because you have to do some of the scope work. In fact, in this, you can, uh, this is something that Walmart has been very public about is uh, Walmart is, is one of our biggest corporate clients and Walmart uses uh, legalization to process their slip and fall premises liability and employment cases through our system where they run uh, the cases through. Then they provide the drafts out to outside counsel with the instructions that they should edit and finalize, but they shouldn't bill for drafting from scratch because the draft is already done. But the instruction wasn't hey, we want you to save, save, save. Obviously, saving, saving money, saving costs is good. But the instructions were, use this to get your head start, edit, review, finalize. Whatever time you save, spend it somewhere else on the investigations or a little bit more time on that, uh, uh, on that other motion that you have to work on. So that's the message that I think really resonates with, uh, with everyone. And that's really the future of AI and, uh, and law, which is working together. You're just augmenting the capabilities. Is one of the motivations for Walmart's use of your app that way the consistency that you mentioned earlier? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is well known, but uh, if, you, if you have such a large caseload as you do at a company like Walmart, and you have 
dozens and dozens of uh, firms that you work with across the country, something is bound to fall through the cracks. And um, how you answer in one jurisdiction on a related type of case, you know, it could could be a problem for you in another jurisdiction. So we provide that sort of consistency. So you, you talked about a corporate legal department's use of legalmation, but I think too, I saw uh, Ogletree Deacons is a, is a customer of yours too. How do they use the app? Yeah, Ogletree has been a great partner of ours. Uh, I will say Ogletree from the get-go, they, you know, they are ahead of the curve as compared to other M-Law firms because they're not shy about adopting new technology to make their processes better and uh, to make their lawyers more efficient. Um, and they use it much the same way as Walmart does, which is for their employment cases, not all of them, of course, but for the appropriate, appropriate employment cases, they will actually use legalmation to cut some of the uh, prep time. They get the drafts and then they edit and finalize and they actually actively tell their clients that they're using a tool like legalmation to save them time and um, so that they can focus on other things. Uh, and the clients actually love that, right? Because you know, as a client, your firm is watching out for you. And if you're going to pay the same hourly rate or the same fixed fee, it doesn't matter what fee structure you have, you want to get the most value out of that. Your time as a lawyer, your value should be on other tasks other than cutting and pasting and uh, doing some of the things that a machine can do just as well or better. Or even if it's work that requires some uh, judgment calls, a machine can do just as well. Uh, which is what we do with a lot of our products. I think I saw recently, too, I read an article where you guys are moving into doing an analysis of maybe outcomes or case values. So what we're doing is we are trying to gain insights from cases for clients. Now, if you're familiar with Lex Machina or uh, Thompson Reuters Litigation Analytics or Gavalytics, uh, which is another great product, they're all great products, but they only deal with publicly available information. You know, uh, I would say only five to 10% of cases ever go to trial or have some sort of publicly announced outcome, right? Case was settled for XYZ between blah, 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 or this jury verdict that, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that had this particular result. If you use publicly available information, that's great, but you're only looking at that five or 10% of all cases. What we realized is because we are able to use our AI system to literally take the digital fingerprint of lawsuits and we can parse that lawsuit out into so many different data points, if we tie that ability and layer it on top of law firms and corporate legal departments' own billing data and outcome data, you can imagine the type of insights we can gain from their own internal data, which is currently, uh, in most cases, is stuff that is just sitting there and they haven't done anything. So to give an example, and we're on, uh, we just finished proofs of concepts with, uh, with several, and we're now rolling the next stages with, uh, with a couple of law firms and uh, large legal departments. What we have found is that if you look at, uh, if you're trying to get a real good idea of what a new case is worth, what the settlement value would be, uh, what the risk is for that particular case, Yes, you can look at publicly available information, but that's very skewed, right? Because a jury verdict could be in the millions for a case that typically on the average settles for less than $50,000. So most of that information is sitting with the corporate client. So what we do is we go in, we analyze their own internal data, but we do it in a way where we layer on top of that our own AI classification system where we're able to extract down to the granular cause of action for each case. And we take, let's say, I don't know, thousands of cases from the past, and we can analyze that those cases. 
and tell you for these specific types of cause of action that are against this specific plaintiff's lawyer in this jurisdiction, your average settlement value has been this. The risk is this. Um, and, and in fact, what we, what we just did is we, we just created a, what we call a risk index. Much like a FICO credit score, based on a number of different criteria, our system is now able to give you a numerical value of what the risk is for that particular case. The criteria that go into that risk score can be a plaintiff's lawyer, because we all know not all plaintiff's lawyers are, are, are the same. The average settlement amount that was paid by that particular client, the jurisdiction, which is, uh, which is an issue. So you add those components and you give them different values to come up with an aggregated risk score. At a glance, you can quickly tell what kind of case that is. Now, again, it's not a final say. You know, if, if you rely purely on our data, I think that would be a mistake, but it gives you a leg up. Then you can start double checking to see who you want to assign the case to, what you should expect to budget for the case uh, and that sort of thing. So this is something that is brand new. No one else, else is doing it. Uh, you may have read about it. Um, I think Ron Friedman did a good, good piece on it just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it is something that everyone has been calling the holy grail because up until today, you wouldn't be able to get those types of insights on your cases. And I, I try to ask this of, of almost all our guests, short of buying legalmation, what would you recommend, going back to your LTL days, what would you recommend a lawyer do to start thinking about implementing automation into their litigation practice? Where, where should they start? So there are a lot of tools out there, obviously. I think my recommendation is to not start so big that it's bound to fail from the get-go. What I mean by that is anytime, especially for lawyers, who we, we tend to be more of a sort of the analytical risk-averse type. Right? We look at things 10 different ways before we make a decision. So the, the recommendation would be look at your workflow, how you work, and look at things that you really don't like doing and that you think that an automated system could really help and go out there and investigate. There is a tool for everything almost uh, already out there. So take a look at it, but don't take a, the big leap into uh, trying to do too much, but just solve one problem at a time. Once you get comfortable with that, you can take the next step further, next step further, and then you realize that uh, you can trust uh, AI and technology solutions out there that are pretty good, and uh, that should help your uh, workflow. That's great advice. You start one step at a time. I think that's, that's great advice. And that you, your point to not start not too big because it's bound to fail, I think, is also excellent advice. Yeah, and I think when we started the early laying out the groundwork for legalization back at, at the firm, like I said, we, we thought that, oh, AI, wow, that sounds like artificial intelligence can do all kinds of stuff. So let's, let's see if we can teach you how to write a motion to dismiss or, or a complex uh, uh, MSJ uh, on a class action case. Well, you know, when we talked to engineers, they set us straight right away and they said, well, <laughs> it may be possible someday, but it's going to take a lot of resources, a lot of training, a lot of money. Uh, and so... That's when we stepped back and we thought, okay, what are the most common things that we do that are, for the most part, template-based, where it does take still time to uh, cobble together uh, certain things, and it's more time-consuming than anything else. And, of course, that was the very early stages of litigation, just responding to complaints and so forth. So, forth. so it is that sort of smaller steps that you want to take, and that's led us to today because now we're tackling much more complicated problems because of what we learned in the past. So that would be my same advice to anyone who's interested. Thomas, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. If people want to get a hold of you or learn more about Legalmation, where should they go? Sure. Uh, they can contact me uh, through uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Pretty active on it. So just reach out to me and uh, happy to talk. 
Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. As always, we really appreciate you listening. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on most major podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, etc. Also, if you like us enough, I hope you leave us a favorable review. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this has been Technically Legal.